0: We're in it. To win it? Well, I don't know. I don't know about this guy if he's going to do any winning. Well, I mean, maybe he won't win, but we will? Yes. Hello, and welcome to Pontifacts. I'm Fry.
1: And I'm Bree, ranking all of the popes from Peter to Francis. And this is episode 29, Pope Eutychian. What? Utikian that's what I expected, um also Eutikianus, maybe, but definitely Utikian I
0: mm, had
1: such I a time that. finding the pronunciation for this one. I looked up as much as I possibly could, so i this is the conclusion I have come to. It's Utikian, and if I'm saying it wrong, you're going to have to roll with it because this is literally as close as we're going to get. Pope Utikian. Are you ready? Uh yeah, okay. Our, our Pope section is going to be quite short this week actually. Um this is this is going to be a short episode and this is cuz we
0: have very very little that is actually known about Utikian. Like I mean you barely knew how to say his name, so. Well, I mean, okay. I have to spell this for you. E U
1: T Y C H I A N. Yeti. <laughs> Eutychian? <laughs> like I mean this there's so little on this pope that historians will argue that he shouldn't even be counted as a pope because maybe he wasn't ever a pope at all.
0: Oh, controversy. He, 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 maybe he was. We can't be sure. Give him a papal bull and have him win the whole thing. Let's go. Yep. Okay. Well, we'll see. The, the reason that
1: we do not have a lot on this man is. Potentially because there is a future persecution coming up under Emperor Diocletian, where a lot of Christian records from this time were destroyed. But again, we're obviously speculating whether those sources even existed or not. A lot of the books I actually reference for this series when when we're doing, like, series of popes, when, when they write about them. They've just decided to skip over the handful of popes that we're in now. Mm. So from Felix up to, like, Marcellus, there's almost nothing. Sources are dry. Really dry. However, he is included in the Annuario Pontifico. We have a Liber Pontificalis entry including him. And we have decrees that are cited to him. So in our eyes, he is a pope. We are validating him. So he's getting an episode. We have to deal with saying Eutychian over
0: and over again. I'll help you. At some point, he was born and then entered the church. The church. The church. (laughs) Eutychian
1: entered the church. Believe it or not, we have more than those two lines, which I'm surprised by. Eutychian was born in a little town called Luni in Etruria, which is in modern-day Tuscany, and his father's name was Marinus. That's pretty much all we have beyond that sentence you said.
0: Cool, cool.
1: He entered the church and he rose up to make a mark. And he was swiftly elected after the death of Pope Felix. So, again, times of peace for the early church is a very bad time for the sources. And then times of destruction of sources right after. Those two things go really bad together. So, Eutychian has like four minutes to his name and now he is Pope. Before we dive into this very scarcely recorded papacy, it's a good time to situate the church in the rest of the Empire, because
0: that's what we do over here. I thought they were in the 40 years of peace. Well, we need to
1: talk about what's happening in the Empire. Okay. The
0: church might be
1: at peace, but what's going
0: on in Rome? What they doing?
1: Well, as we've already discussed in the last few episodes, Emperor Gallienus has passed an Edict of Toleration that put an end to the state-supervised persecutions and recognized the church as a legal entity. They're allowed to own property and exist without being an enemy of the empire, but again, beyond this, we really haven't talked about how the rest of the empire has a relationship and an impact on the Christians. So, you know, we've only seen War leading to the suspicions of Christians and emperors disappearing in the East, which allow for new popes to be elected and, you know, general emperors supporting the church. So what they doing? The empire has been getting hammered on and off throughout the whole of the last 13 popes. So going all the way back to Calixtus to now, the rest of the empire is not having a good time. This is a culmination of events which are casually known as the crisis of the third century. So, bad time. The crisis. The crisis of the third century. So if you hear in Roman history, they talk about the crisis, this is what they're talking about. And this is what it looks like. We have emperors being assassinated. We have outside threats invading the boundaries of the empire and winning battles like the Persians, the Franks, Zenobia, the Vandals, the Alamanni, the Goths. Then we have revolts and usurpers on top of it all. Not a good time. And then we had our Emperor last week racing around to do his very best efforts to resolve all these problems. This is Aurelian. He's trying to put all of these fires out, and he's doing a great job, and he's succeeding in almost all of them. And then he gets assassinated by his own men. Oops. And Through the next papacy, the papacy of Eutychian here, we're going to have six more emperors. Oh. Six emperors within his papacy, and only one would last longer than a year. So the quick turnover of emperors will also not slow down all this exterior threat that we have, particularly the vandals waiting on the border, and there's no strong influence at the head of the Roman Empire. Or, the revolts, which are happening particularly in the West, headed by military generals, so this is not a good time for the empire, and this is kind of why we have this little piece of the church. They are way too busy to deal with Christians, so, like I said, we've had this nice little forty year gap where the church is free of persecution and But this brief summary of the rest of the empire gives us a more accurate look on why exactly this is happening. We can't justifiably say that the peace was due to tolerance and welcoming emperors, because the church is continuing to build on its relationship with the rest of the empire, but it's definitely more accurate to say that the empire cannot handle it right now. It's like, you do you, we cannot deal with it. As a result, we have a church that's pretty much functioning on its own with no interference at this point. What is Eutychian going to do with a papacy that is being left alone? First, he expands the administrations through five holy orders in December, fourteen priests, five deacons, and nine bishops. Then he develops a rite. And this rite is either for the blessing of grapes and beans on an altar during Mass, or to, to actually like go out and bless produce from the fields. Or at least, this is what the Liber Pontificalis tells us, so, again, most historians will say that this decree is far more likely from a later time period, but the ongoing theory is that since this was a period of no persecution and really nothing else to talk about him, they just kind of went, oh, we need to give him something for apostolic succession, so
0: he he blessed food. I mean, he could bless food all he wants.
1: Absolutely. And as we know based on what we discussed last week with Pope Felix, that this was still a great moment in the church for the development of theology. The ongoing discourse about the Trinity was the first and foremost topic on the mind of church scholars, and they're all doing their best to kind of suss out the one true nature of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, we do not have any record of participation by Eutychian at the time, but considering that this issue is going to continue to develop into a massive controversy as we go. He clearly did not have a persuasive deciding role. This is definitely being discussed, and it will be discussed until 3.25 at the Council of Nicaea. And even then, do they really settle anything at all? Brace yourselves, I'm actually up to the Council of Nicaea in the research, and oh boy. And even though we're going to go way back for a second, we discussed that Novatian had probably died at some point in the previous persecutions. We have an entirely different situation that we did with Antipope Apollitus in that his followers don't rejoin the church when he dies. So even though he's died previously in our story, we still have the Novatian schism remaining.
0: Yeah, you said that that was going to last for literal ages. Yeah, and it's still here, and it's still a problem. And by
1: the time of Eutychian, the Novatians had not only grown in Rome, but they're also spreading across the empire. And they are continuing to challenge and criticize the Catholic Church for its position on the lapsi, and where they're able to, they are appointing bishops to try and compete with the legitimate bishops. So they are still here. They are still a thorn in the side of the church. They are still basically trying to be better and more orthodox than the church. So we can't call it heresy. They're just there creating problems. And as far as Eutychian goes, we don't have a record of what he may or may not have done to respond to the Novatianists, but we can be sure that Maybe he's at least passively keeping them at bay, because even though they're there, we don't really see them getting a foothold at any point in the church. But they're there. The empire's falling apart. They're taking advantage of that, and the church is trying to go, "Mm, let's just keep them at bay so we can keep building what we've got going on. But the biggest thing we do have, actually have records on, that Eutychian is known for whether it is true or not, is his involvement with martyrs. This is going to come from the Liber Pontificalis again, so be prepared to be let down. But the Liber Pontificalis tells us that Eutychian buried 324 martyrs
0: with his own hands. Uh, okay, I assume they mean like he picked up a shovel? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) He just didn't start digging in the dirt? He's not, he's
1: not doing a, a, like, go dig a hole with your hands. That's
0: my job. (laughs) Nobody's going to understand that. Nobody who plays D&D with us listens to this podcast.
1: Well, maybe they should. Jeez, we're calling you out, guys. You're not even going to know it. So, yeah, he is actually personally directly involved with the burying of Martyrs. So he's not getting in there with his fingernails, but he's, he's doing something. But again, this is not a time of widespread persecution, so that number's pretty high and pretty suspicious for historians of this time period. Where are 324 martyrs for him to bury coming from?
0: I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe there's a backstock in the... Well, I mean, you're not wrong. There is some thought that
1: perhaps this is in reference to like the reburial of martyrs within the catacombs or transporting and burying martyrs that came from other parts of the empire which were less compliant with the edict of toleration so i mean we've seen a couple popes that have been sent into exile and die in exile and it takes a little while for their bodies to be brought back so that's possible but it's still a pretty high number so What is going on here? That And it's also a very
0: specific number.
1: He buried 324 martyrs. Did he keep a log? I wonder.
0: There might have been a log, but it's probably been burned because... It probably
1: has, because Diocletian's going to do that. If we look at this more credibly, it's also reported that Eutychium paid special care to the tombs of martyrs and instituted new rules and rites for the burial of martyrs. So... Maybe it's more of a, oh, he was directly involved in this. We should say that he buried them personally because it sounds better. He's so invested. This includes, quoted directly from the Liber Pontificalis, that whenever any one of the faithful bury to a martyr, he should bury him in a dalmatic or a purple tunic and report of it should be brought to the Bishop of Rome. Just for clarification, dalmatic is a long tunic with wide sleeves they're used as liturgical vestments and they're currently the vestments for deacons during mass. So I assume Deacon Dad
0: must wear a dalmatic. He went shopping with his sisters and they picked one out for him. They picked out a, a... see, now this is the weird thing
1: about uh, the whole Catholic uniform type thing is, is you can go around and actually go shopping mm-hmm. and pick out what you want. It really messes with my brain. When we were in Rome, we passed not just Gamarelli's, but there's there's a whole bunch of stores that just clearly sell Episcopal wear. And it's like, how do you decide?
0: I guess there's a good one in downtown Milwaukee. And so they made a day trip of it and they went and they bought all his vestments and they picked him out and they told him which one looked good on him. Oh my gosh! Okay, what did he end up coming back with? I've got to know. I probably can find a picture of it. Hang on.
1: Is that is that what he was wearing when he conducted your wedding? Yeah, I think so.
0: Didn't he have a sports one at some point? He, that is, um, so one of the priests that was the pastor at the church he is in charge of as deacon, and one was a Chicago Bears themed vestment. Oh no. That was such a weird thing because we did it for Gishwish, right? Yeah. And and my dad goes, oh, I'm going to pretend to be a priest, but I can't wear an actual priest vestment, so I'm going to go steal this joke one that the priest left here. Oh, and no. And so he puts it on, and he comes back home for us to do the priest thing. And my mom goes, you look really good in that. And I'm like, ooh!
1: I remember how intensely excited he was to wear his sports-themed ones. <laughs> oh, amazing! There's his. Oh, I'm getting a photo. Usually, this is going the other way. So yeah,
0: I know. I had to go find it. Okay, it's it's yep. Yeah, it's just white. Uh, it's got like some champagne lines on it.
1: Yep. Okay. Now I see that in the close-up. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's that's
1: yep. Yeah. It's a very simple, ungaudy gaudy humble Dalmatic, I think that Eutychian would approve. And circling back to all of this, I mean, we need to talk about why this is all important at the time. And that's, you know, around this time, as we've been discussing, the veneration of martyrs at their gravesite was becoming incredibly popular as a ceremony of homage and like we discussed in Felix's episode, there were likely constant ceremonies that were happening at the tombs of the martyrs on the anniversaries of their death in the catacombs. Every time that their anniversary is coming around, they're having a ceremony. So this is one reason that in the past, we see that historians believe that the catacombs were places for Christians to hide during the time of persecution. Because inevitably, with so many martyrs in the church, they were always going to be there in the tombs all that look at the tombs and the archaeological evidence of all of the traffic coming into the tombs and out of the tombs. No, people weren't living there. They were just coming there that often in congregations to celebrate martyrs and veneration and prayer. This is the trend of the moment. And he's getting on board and making sure his decree about, oh, making sure that the martyrs are very well dressed when they are buried. That's going to be my mark on this thing that's pretty much it because now we're in the section called
0: death and he dies eutychian
1: dies on december 7th 283 and although the Liber pontificalis says that he was crowned with martyrdom and he gets mentioned in the fourth century depositio episcoporum as a martyr with a feast day it's more than likely natural causes because of this time period that we're looking at and we do not have an active and open persecution, and even if Felix died in martyrdom, it's fluke. Eutychian is probably not a double fluke. That does not happen. Now, so we have to acknowledge that most of the records that we can use for historical sources for the early popes, you know, we have Eusebius, we have Jerome, the Liber Pontificalis, the Martyrologies, the Liberian Catalog, are all written after the fact. and. Of course, as we've been seeing, there's somewhat of an implicit assumption that pretty much every pontiff through the 4th century died by martyrdom because of widespread and aggressive persecution. We've already seen this on more than one occasion, this idea of token martyrism. And given when we're not really sure what happened to a pope, or even if we know they didn't die that way, they still are living confessors for the church called martyrs. But it is important for us to remind ourselves every now and then that these sources are making an assumption that has since trickled down all throughout history. So this is, again, one of these reasons that we're doing this show is whenever they just don't have the facts and they're presuming a martyr's death, we're looking and going, hmm, that doesn't actually work. But it does give this whole narrative of the early church suffering that has longstanding historical influences. This is a great time to talk about it because Utikian hasn't done much else, so That's true. Suffice to say, this is probably definitely most what happened with Eutikian, and we don't have any detail on his papacy, so even though we're going to say, nope, it's probably natural causes, this is gonna continue on for him. He is going to be a token martyr.
0: That's fair. We can have some token martyrs. We have so many. <laughs> So Eutychian
1: is buried in the Chapel of the Popes in the Catacombs of Calixtus. And this is primarily how we know he exists at all, because until a discovery of his fragmented tomb in the 1849 excavation, again, they weren't sure that he had actually been a pope. There was not enough to tell us that. But his tomb is still significant and notable, because Eutychian has the honor of being the last pope to be buried in the papal crypt of the tombs of Calixtus. So it's full up now. He gets to be known for something, but it's full up now. I mean, we're still going to have popes that get buried in the overall catacombs of Calixtus, but the Capelle de Papi that we started with, that special little room just for the popes, he's the last one. So he's got something. But that's all he has, And now we must write him.
0: All right, let's read him. I got not a lot to go on. I know. I know, this
1: one was, was a challenge. I spent more time trying to figure out how to pronounce his name than actually reading sources because there were none. Papatum and Falium. So, I mean, good for the church. Clearly not a period of internal turmoil.
0: He got to spend a lot of time burying people, so he didn't really have a lot else to do. He doesn't have a lot else to do, he doesn't
1: ha- but he doesn't have any arguments happening within the church. So that's something. We don't have heretics popping their heads up. I mean, we can't really credit him, unfortunately, for dealing with, like, the Trinitarian doctrine, because we don't have any input. Or the Novatian schism, because we have no input. But, I mean, seems kind of, like, steady on for the moment. We have one source that says that Eutychian's time furthered the development of the Roman Christian church into a major cultural institution... That would emerge from the 4th century as the official religion of the Roman Empire, but I'm calling that as extremely premature, and, and there's nothing really happening here. He did bury the martyrs.
0: We should at least give him a point for that.
1: Yeah, I think a point is fair. I will give him a point for burying the martyrs. So that gives him a two for Papatum
0: and Valium. Fructus Prohibitum.
1: Well, in order to have scandal, you need to have sources. So, no, nah, unless we want to start making them up.
0: Seculari impactum. Well, it's another papacy
1: under the Little Peace. So, Church is establishing itself as an entity that can coexist within the Empire. So, we now have, they're getting to that point where they're starting to deal with their neighbors, right? They've they have rebuilt their home From the absolute dumpster fire. And now they're going over and saying, hi, we're your new neighbors. Nice to meet you. So there is interaction happening with the secular population. We don't really have records of how that's going, but it is a thing. It is happening. We are legitimate now. There's a little bit of a secular impact. I'm arguing hard to try and make this happen for him. So,
0: Okay. I'm
1: going to give him a point for it.
0: Your point is fine. He didn't do nothing. I'll give him one.
1: Okay. I think that's fair. You're right. He didn't do nothing. He was still doing stuff. It's just very, very hard to suss out. So he gets a two for Seculari Impactum.
0: Facium Sanctus.
1: Let's hope that Facium Sanctus is his round. Okay, here's his usual photo and the one (laughs) that we're going to rate him on. Oh, so what do you think he looks like? Mm,
0: look, I really like his nose. He's got a very nice nose.
1: He does have a good nose. He has a very pronounced brow, too. Like, it's it, his brow bone is large.
0: Yeah, it's very big, and he's got some wrinkles and a boony poof. And he's got
1: some luscious lips again, man.
0: Or he's pouting. He's not. They don't do duck face. They don't know what that is yet. Look at his uh, clavicle, though. Oh my goodness. That... So he's secret-ripped again. He's secret-ripped, but I don't know if he's secret-ripped in a good way. This is from burying all those corpses. That's true. He's starting to look like a corpse himself. Like, he's got that, like, anemic, punched-in-the-face look. It's getting a little emaciated, yeah. Yeah, he's lifting too much and not eating enough protein.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that skinny boy, starvation abs type thing, yeah. So... Okay, based on that, I don't know, I think he's he's fine to look at. His face doesn't make me go,
0: what the heck like some of the other ones. So Actually, he's probably the prettiest Pope I've seen in a while.
1: Yeah, so what do you think he deserves? Let's give him a six. Okay, you're going to give him a six. That's a good score. I'm going to give him a four. So he's going to get, in total, ten divided down by
0: four is 2.5. You know, I'm into those emaciated boys. Yes, yes, you are. Tempus Pontificus. January 4th, 275
1: to December 7th, 283. So there are uh, some conjecture here and different sourcing issues. So Liber Pontificalis says eight years, 11 months from 275 to 283. Eusebius in the church history, on the other hand, says his reign was only 10 months. That doesn't make any sense. So, modern sources go with the longer one. We're going to credit him 8 years, 11 months, which gives him a 2.25 score when rounded up to 9.
0: Pope for 9 years and 6 emperors. That's
1: ridiculous.
0: That's a lot of emperors. Also, 9 years and nothing about him. Mm Mm-hmm. That's where we can look at it and go, Mmm,
1: this is where we probably have the source destruction, so...
0: 324 bodies, you say?
1: Yeah.
0: That's a a lot of work for nine
1: years. That's why he looks so emaciated. (laughs) Divided by nine, so that's 36 a year. Divided by 52. He had to bury half of a person, three quarters of a person, every week.
0: (laughs) All right, everybody, it's the canon bonus round! Do-do-do-do-do!
1: Yes, he is a saint. Uh, His feast day is December 8th, and he has absolutely no patronage to him, so we're gonna give him one! Mm. His name is Eutychian, so if he's not the patron saint of people with weirdly spelled names, or something like that...
0: Now that I look at his name, it kinda looks like Eutychan. Yeah, that's kind of where I thought it was originally, but... The patron saint of waifus? (laughs) No, we're not gonna do that to him. I mean,
1: I'm going to look at this because I'm one of those kids that my name is not spelled in a way that is traditional. And so, you know, when you're like at a store and they have pens or keychains or whatever that have people's names on it, I was never going to find mine ever. And people were oh, always yeah. going to mispronounce it. I mean, I look at you, Tikian
0: and I go, I feel you. I feel you. So, Patron saint of children with weirdly spelled names. Yes. I think that's what it has to be. But, I mean, if you have something else you would like to go with... No, that is really good. Because a lot of my children will never find their name on a keychain either.
1: That is so true. Now, when they get upset about it, you can send them to pray to St. Eutychian. And, you know, maybe he'll intercede on their behalf.
0: Maybe he will. Maybe they'll go to a special keychain pr- place where they print them on demand.
1: Yes, yes. See, and that's how I solved my problem is when we went to Disneyland for the first time, they were still doing those bracelets, those leather bracelets they do, where they where they, pu- they, actually, like, carve your name into them. So I got one that actually had my name spelled correctly, and I was like, ha-ha, it's from Disneyland. You all suck. Well, I
0: feel like nowadays there's less, like, stacks of keychains with very specific names on them and more like either an initial or printed out yourself
1: it's true however people are still always going to pronounce them wrong so now we have you to back us up so let's look at his total score why don't we which is
0: hey guy it's the total score it's the total score hey if you're looking for the total score in this episode it's right here we're not totally making fun of you. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I mean, you gotta know that if you're interacting with us, there's going to be a certain amount of ribbing. However, I'm going to go back and listen to our to Two episode. If you're listening to it, or you just recently listened to it, and you didn't hear us give a score, let me know, because it's entirely possible that we just messed that up.
0: We, we've had to put in final scores after the fact several times. Several times. <laughs> We're not doing it this
1: time. His final score is a nine point seven five. It's here. It's nine point seven five. <laughs> it's not our lowest score, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Now you said at the beginning of the episode you wanted him to be poppy and pizzazzy enough so that we could prove this man
0: well, that. Yeah,
1: no, I'm sorry, you I mean, you could give it to him just for the name, but yeah, you don't have a I bowl. just
0: wanted there to be a k- 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 combo breaker. Well, okay. Yes, but I'm ahead in the research and,
1: uh, I will definitely say that combo breakers are coming. Sweet. And this week for thank yous, we would like to thank the Outlandish Historians podcast. And the Empires of History podcast for just a lot of support on Twitter. You guys are awesome, so thank you very much. You guys are awesome. And to the uh, Can't Make This Up history podcast, who we have thanked in the past, but they are always cheering for us, so super, super, super cool. I'm sure, you know, you're not going to hear this until the New Year, so hopefully you're still listening at that point.
0: Thank you, anyway. (laughs) Yep, thanks so much. We can be found on most major pod-catching platforms, including Spotify. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook as Pod. Feel free to message us. We usually always respond. If you want to send us a more long-form message, request, or otherwise get a hold of us, our email is pontifaxpod at gmail.com. For our bonus episodes and exclusive content, head over to our Patreon page and donate. That's patreon.com forward slash pontifaxpod. If you feel the need to buy us a tea, because we're not really coffee drinkers, but we do love tea, you can throw us a few bucks in our PayPal account at paypal.me forward slash pontifaxpod. As always, please subscribe and rate and review on iTunes or whatever you use. It really helps us get recommended to other people and allows more people to find us. And with that,
1: we say goodbye. Bye. 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 Goodbye. We're
0: Get the f*** out. <laughs> <laughs>